welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Gunnar Grubbs. I am your co-host, Brian Mock. And I'm your co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs. Well, last week, uh, we did an episode, Johnny wasn't here, um, and the episode was better off for it. That um, is correct. Just, we missed you, Johnny. Actually, Johnny, we have you here today because you're fired. Yeah, I know. No, no genuinely, I would have, uh, I would have loved to have heard whatever mamby pamby nonsense you had to offer to the conversation. Oh. That would have been really valuable. Oh, um, well, for thank, entertainment thank you. purposes. <laughs> we talked about worship. You know, oh, okay. Worship music specifically. What's yeah. the purpose of music in our corporate gatherings? Johnny doesn't uh, believe in that, though. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah, you guys don't exist. You're, it's a simulation. Actually, we are figments of your imagination, Johnny. <laughs> Plot twist. Uh, so, uh, but we did the episode, and in the beginning, we boasted about how this is our first episode in the studio. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get any video. So, that is very sad. Those watching on YouTube just saw the Theology Thursday logo and heard Ryan being like, Isn't this great as our studio? Look at this. Wait, wait, hold on. Oh, so then we could, we, we could get a fresh start. Isn't this great? This is our studio. <laughs> so, here we are. And it's, it's, you know what? I think it's better this way because now, our first time in the new studio, Johnny is with us. Oh. But doesn't this, I told Ryan last week, there's something kind of energizing about hitting the record button and being in this space. It just feels more official in a way, doesn't it? Absolutely. And the fact that everything's you know already set up when we come in and we just go. Yeah. Just get up and go. And we're, we're fully aware of the fact that this is not like where it where it needs to be. You'll, you'll get to see it progress over time. We got a lot of different plans and ideas, but... This is a great start. It's a great start. And and we appreciate it. And I want to say that this start is possible. Some of the equipment that I've been able to get to to make this possible is because of your support on Patreon. So I want to thank you for that. And if you're interested, you can get t-shirts, merch, all this stuff, plus the after show, the monthly reading hour podcast where we talk about books we've been reading. There's all sorts of exclusive content on Patreon starting as low as $3 a month to support us. So... Those are some things to consider. Hey, you all, if you haven't, if you're not a Patreon supporter, y'all missed a really awesome after show last week. <laughs> y- y'all missed a really awesome after show last week. We um, we talked about the Chris Tomlin theory. We have some theories about Chris Tomlin. Yes. Um, and then this week, okay, because we're about to get into our subpoints, and there was two big topics this week. That would have made great subpoints, and I had to choose between the two. I'm saving one of them for the after show. So again, Patreon that starts is even even three dollars a month. Tier one gets the after show, and on the after show today, you will be able to see our trailer reaction to "God's Not Dead," "We the People" trailer. Okay, <laughs> so I'm not even. I don't even talk about that anymore. It's 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 out there. They're making "God's Not Dead" four, continuing the greatest <clears throat> saga. In movie history, we we the people. Uh, the title says a lot about where they're going with this. So I'm a little scared. Um, we'll we'll do that on the after show, but you have to give us your money first. So, um, here's the sub point that we are going to talk about. Okay, this is really exciting. Have you gents ever heard of a man named Ken Ham? 
Who is that, Connor? Well, we've talked about him a couple times before on the show, but Ken Ham was a high school science teacher. He doesn't have any more than a bachelor's degree, but he decided that he wanted to be the father of creationism and uh, Christian apologetics. So he created a ministry called Answers in Genesis. They developed a bunch of curriculum, a bunch of books, um, basically giving scientific evidence uh you know, answers in Genesis. A lot of it is defending. They made up a bunch of answers that aren't in Genesis. Okay. Um, so you could tell we might have a little problem with uh, answers in Genesis. And and there's there's a couple things that Ken Ham is well known for. One of them is the debate between him and Bill Nye, which was just pitiful. Every five seconds, his answer well was, "Well, uh, Mr. Nye, there's a book." It's called the Bible, and it's like, that's not what we're here for. We know that you read the Bible and that you believe it's true. Like, defend your case, and he couldn't. It was really pitiful. But all that being said, uh, he has something in Kentucky called the Ark Encounter, okay? so And there's also the Creation Museum. In fact, the Creation Museum was there first, and that walks you through and defends all of these, um, you know, young earth creationist views and there's a petting zoo and a restaurant, so it's kind of cute. Nice. Do they um, have llamas there? Probably. Nice. We should go sometime. I, I honestly, it's probably kind of cool. Like I, I know my wife's been, and I'm sure because this is the part that I'm sure is is very impressive. I have no doubt they've done a scale um, <clears throat> replica of Noah's Ark. So it's three stories. It's huge. You go through, and there's all these different attractions within it. Um, and honestly, I'm sure it's probably well done. I mean, they, oh, they, yeah. they bring in a lot of revenue. They have a lot of people that come and visit from out of state. Um, it's a big attraction there in Kentucky. <clears throat> so they announced recently that they're going to be expanding, um, and now he's calling it a theme park. He's just fully embraced that. Before it was like a museum educational experience. Now he's just like, no, it's a theme park. Is it um, Hamland? Uh, Hamland. <laughs> <laughs> That would be awesome. Um, it's just like a spiral ham with his beard on it. Um, <clears throat> all right. So they're adding a couple things to them. Uh, they're adding a carousel. Nice. Which, of course, like probably two by two, the different yeah, animals. Yeah. That'd be cute. Yeah. Um, they're doing a scale model of what Jerusalem may have looked like during Jesus's time. And I love speculation, so it sounds great. Wow. Um, and... Uh, like a, a, a miniatures, right? Well, yeah, you so, can you can make a pretty good uh, educated yeah, no, guess. We, we have enough. So, so I honestly, that's probably. I, I'm sure they'll do a great job with that. That's all. That's all well and good. Here's the part I'm concerned about. Now, Ryan's already heard about this. Johnny, do you know where I'm going with this? Have you uh -uh. heard? Oh, okay. I have no clue about I, any of this. You, I, I can't wait to see your reaction because oh, no. when I saw this, I honestly thought it was a Babylon Bee article. I thought it was a joke, and turns out it is 100 percent true. Really happening. Ken Ham has decided to rebuild the Tower of Babel, which, if you're familiar with the story of the Tower of Babel, probably isn't the best idea. <clears throat> why, why, based on uh, the story that this is inspired by, Johnny, would this not be uh, an excellent idea to rebuild the Tower of Babel? So basically, the essence of the story of the Tower of Babel is that, you know, 
when in the garden we were seated near God and heaven and earth were met together and then God said you blew it you know and I'll, I'll make a way for you you know he made the, the messianic promise in the garden basically he's like I'll make a way for you and then a bunch of guys got together and they said we don't need God to make a way for us we'll get back up there ourselves and, and they started to define good and evil for themselves in that moment and so they they built this tower to ascend back to God to so that heaven and earth could meet again. They thought they could do it themselves, and God was like, yo, I, I told you I was going to save you. You don't have to do this, and, you know, he scattered us. And, and then they started speaking different languages. Right, exactly. So what, what Which, if Ken Ham starts building it, and all of a sudden he starts speaking, like, Russian language. or something or Portuguese? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was kind of shocked to see this. I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Like, what? Because they are trying to build, you know, as best as they know something that would match what they were trying to build. Believe it or not, I'm not totally like like off kilter about this. I don't think it's necessary, but I would say like the intention of building this replica of the Tower of Babel is obviously not the same as the intention of the original people building it. It still seems a little distasteful. Um, yeah, I mean, if they were making, um, what I don't understand is why not the same way they're doing with Jerusalem? Why not make a miniature model? Why not like it is? It is weird to it, educate about the Tower of Babel instead it's like, of hey, actually rebuilding it. Look, I mean, look at our look at our scale model of one of the biggest affronts <laughs> to God in the Old Testament. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> take, it, take an elevator to the top and get a picture. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, imagine if you went and like. For decoration throughout the park, as you're headed to the cafeteria, there were Asherah poles. And that like, is true, yeah. You know, other Buddhist gods. Like, it, it's like, not... <laughs> yeah. It's not okay. I oh, look, there's there's a high place. <laughs> right. Let's go get our picture. You get the Molech pick you, uh, <laughs> uh, pit you could throw your kids in <laughs> when you're trying to get rid of that is, I mean, okay, I, yeah, you're right. It's a little weird, okay? Right, you're uh, right. That's just my point. It's a little weird. And... And it, it would be similar to that, yeah, because this is a thing of evil, right? <laughs> not not that you do, you literally throw your kids in it, but even if it was like a roped off area <laughs> and there's like <laughs> a bunch of people, and there's like a fire, and like this is what it would have been like to be thrown into the fires of like <laughs> pickup time is at three p.m. Um, <laughs> uh, here's the thing: you talked about you know his intentions in building this, and he he spoke about his intentions in building this. So I I'd like to share some oh. of, some of his oh. his intentions. One of the things that he mentioned, you know, first and foremost, most importantly, is that their attraction eighty percent of the people who come to their attraction come from outside of the state, and they're bringing lots of dollars for local business in Kentucky. So people should support them. Ken Ham is single-handedly saving Kentucky's economy. <laughs> so he it's he, needed. It's he, needed though. He went from a business standpoint of I'm going to make lots of money and I'm going to make you lots of money. Hey, there's nothing wrong with and, that. And though, you I know, would say. you know what? It's a good sell. It makes me want to go build a tower of Babel. You know, because there's there's, there's money in it. No, I mean it's just it, so you know you're hearing that and you're like, okay, good job, Ken Ham, um, but. Here's his other intention in doing this that he shared. And and this is this is splendid. I love this. He has stated that he believes um, that this attraction will help to solve the problem of racism. But Ken Han 
singly, <laughs> singly destroys <laughs> racism. Yeah, so so oh. Answers in Genesis has a lot of material on about how there there really aren't different races. There's just one human race. Right. And the things that make our skin color and hair color are just slight, you know, differences in DNA. But at the end of the day, you know, race is a social construct. We're right. all human beings. Yeah, and, by the way, that's what CRT teaches as right. well. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so we're I mean, in a, we're in agreement. Yeah. yeah. No, I actually – the videos that they've done on this I've actually used before. The, yeah. The, that's probably the – I'm not going to say only, but probably the only material from Answers in Genesis the, that I actually appreciate. The, like, but the problem is when you try to use that to erase any sort of cultural differences. Right. And Which I don't necessarily know class that they differences. do. It might be, you know, right. sort of. I know, I'm just b- saying. Because actually he's saying the point of the, this attraction is to kind of talk about, like, genetics and, and cultures and basically show the origin of different cultures and ethnicities. Through the throughout the attraction, so as you're walking through, it's kind of like, well, these are the the different cultures and language groups that probably sprung up from this event, and this is where it led, and kind of walk you through history to today, to kind of say, yeah, I mean, this is why we have all these different cultures, but you know, we're all human beings, we're all friends. So basically, Ken Ham is going to single handedly destroy racism by building the Tower of Babel. Well, that's good. I'm glad somebody's it. stepping up to take care of that nasty thing. The Tower uh, of Babel, and it, it's, it's, it's very interesting because in that moment, it was a practical thing that God did to divide them and to keep them from, you know, continuing in their spiral of, of pride. But it didn't take them long to begin redeeming it, you know, through the Abrahamic promise and all that kind of stuff. And, and now it's like like fully... A redeemed aspect of our world is the fact that we are all different and have yeah. different cultures, and you know. and it's something that you know is indicated in scripture will be maintained in yeah exactly. eternity. You know, right? Uh, so it's, it's so cultural differences are to be celebrated. Yeah, you know, and and, and certainly acknowledged, not ignored. You know, uh, so so yes, I agree. If if using this message to the end of colorblindness is the goal, uh, that doesn't solve anything. Could be problematic, uh, but mm. um, if it, if it is to celebrate multiculturalism, then that's a message I can get behind. Not necessarily sure about the method of getting that message across. Don't know that we need a scale in a tower battle. It's fine. Have fun, Ken Ham. There's also been some controversy in the past about him using tax dollars and state funds to build the Ark in the first place. Some people weren't happy about that. But you know what? God bless him. We are going to talk about God's Not Dead, We the People on the after show. A lot of exciting things this week. Towers of Babels and God's Not Deads. Uh, All the the evangelical cringe. (laughs) uh, Just wonderful. So today's question um, comes from a listener uh, named Kim. And this question is... No. Ken. Yeah, Ken Ham. Ken Ken Ham. Ham. Ask the question. question. No. no. Um, So uh, this question, um, and I'll kind of... preps it for you because there's a lot of trying to like shorten it so we can answer it but what does it look like for christians to stand by their convictions in a society that really emphasizes and values tolerance okay so what does it look like for christians to stand by their convictions a society that emphasizes and values tolerance and a few examples were given of scenarios where there is no room 
for tolerance. And these weren't moral scenarios or Christian scenarios. These were just, you know, kind of examples to show that, say, a surgeon would not tolerate uh, unsanitary practices in his operating room. Uh, a, a judge would not tolerate um, false testimony in his courtroom. Like, there's certain scenarios where you cannot tolerate certain things. So for us as Christians, um, operating in the culture and society, where do we draw the line? That's kind of the question, the discussion that has been brought forward today. Yeah. Well, um, this this question has been asked before, not on the podcast, but like, as a phil- philosophical question, there is a paradox in tolerance because having a society of tolerance requires you have to have at least a little bit of intolerance for like those mm-hmm. those very things. You know, a, 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 a surgeon will intolerate uh, malpractice or whatnot. Um, and there are a gazillion examples you could come up with, but a society that values tolerance has to accept a little bit of intolerance. And uh, in order to in order to develop tolerance in society, you would have to be intolerant towards those who are intolerant. So there's kind of a paradox there, right? Yeah. Um, that was that was the first thing I was going to say. Right, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a Christian a or not, you have to confront that idea. Is is if you if you are tolerant, you still have to draw a line. I reject the premise that our, our society values tolerance. Completely. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, nobody really does. But So, can you flesh that out more for us? <laughs> yeah, so, for example, um, right, so uh, we have this debate kind of raging uh, between, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus people and people who hold the traditional sexual ethic. And... Uh, the flag of the LGBTQ plus community is is one of tolerance, right? Um, but by and large, on a majority level, however, I've seen individual cases where people do agree to disagree. But by and large, if you say, you know what, I have a traditional sexual ethic. You hate gay people. You're mm-hmm. damaging them. You're, you're responsible for their suicide, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you just throw tolerance out the window because... If, if I'm going to tolerate, like, your belief in a sense that I'm not here to hate you or, or cast you aside or anything like that, why wouldn't you tolerate my faith, which has a different ethic than yours? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so you see this all over society. Everywhere where there's tolerance, it's, it's just like you're saying. Everywhere there's a, there's a, a level of intolerance that, I, to me, it looks like it outweighs the tolerance. Mm-hmm. It's always in favor of whatever view you you hold unless and this is what i think sets christianity apart um it's like what i'm saying where like i can have a different view i I have a different ethic than you say an lgbtq person but i still want you in my church i still want i still want to have dinner with you i still respect you as the family unit that that you say that you are even even if i disagree with that family unit i still respect like say their parents or, or whatever respect their relationship to their child and et cetera, et cetera, doesn't mean that my views have changed. It doesn't mean that I don't see that as sin. It just means that I care for them as people. And I think that that, I don't, I don't know if you can call that tolerance um, as much as it is just Christ-like love. Right. So because I... Jesus sat down with sinners and he didn't mean he endorsed their lifestyle, right? It just meant that he cared for them. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, by and large, even secular society doesn't really allow for that, because 
they you know they got to make their point they got to fight for trans lives they got to fight for lgbtq um and by and large i think a lot of uh American evangelicalism doesn't leave room for that either because we exactly. got it. We got to defend, you know. Yeah. And I think uh, that's sin nature. Whatever. That's why I reject yeah. the premise that because I think sin nature is just like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for myself and I'm gonna fight for okay. my tribe. So as Christians, we should be the most tolerant in, in a way. Yeah. Right. So like if you look at Jesus as an example, he says not one iota of the law. And the prophets is going to disappear, right? So he defends moral standards in in a, in a sense, but then um, he's still sitting down with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners, right? And so, do you call that tolerance, or do you call again Christian love? I think it's Christian love, right? That's what I was going to say. I don't think many people would consider that tolerance, right? No, because ways. Jesus is not saying I accept this. I, I, he's not saying what you're doing is right, but who you are. Is, is what I want. I want to redeem you, basically. And so I think, but yeah, I mean, maybe there's comparisons to what, like, the ideal of tolerance in society. Yeah. Right. Well, but I, I think, think it's a completely different animal. I think I think all of this discussion kind of points to the fact, well, what what is our definition of tolerance? Right. Because you can say, oh, yeah, society really emphasizes tolerance, but as you were saying, for society to really, you know, put their foot down on certain issues and expect you to fall in line isn't really tolerance at all. Right. Um, you know, um, and uh, for Christians to love while being able to disagree, that's not necessarily tolerance either. Is that tolerance? Is just, yeah, that you're not accepting that premise. So, so what is tolerance then? <clears throat> <laughs> you guys looking at me? <laughs> I think tall. Go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, tolerance is uh, accepting. Well, I I I think that tolerance. This is probably a very like elementary school definition, but tolerance is accepting people despite what they believe or what they they speak and. That could be defined more, I think, and I think there's new there there could be nuance expressed in that definition. Probably um, because again, like I said, I have to go back to uh, we have to express at least a little bit of intolerance in this because right. I could I want to tolerate everybody for their I want to accept everybody for their beliefs and their behaviors and whatnot, but if somebody like tries to hurt my friend, I am going to then intolerate that person by defending my friend or uh, yeah and defending my friend. So the, yeah, there's a certain level of intolerance there where I where I don't accept you, but that's only in the case that that person is yeah. The, harming the dictionary me. definition is the ability or willingness to tolerate something, in particular the existence of opinions or behavior that one does not necessarily agree with. Yeah, that's that's a good definition. So I think too we have to think about, and I can I can't put words in their mouth is how our listener <clears throat> defines tolerance in this situation. I would imagine, you know, looking at kind of the, the scope of history and, and the way that we've kind of combated as evangelical, as a Protestant culture, um, the idea of tolerance, um, perhaps maybe they're thinking of the, I know there's a big trend, and it still happens today, but big trend in the humanities to say, well, all truth is, your truth is your truth, and your truth is your truth, and everybody can have their own truth. And it's never, ever worked, right? Like, like it's, right. it's all been theoretical, you know, like, everybody has their thing that they have to defend, and that's why I don't think, you know, you can really be a tolerant 
tolerant person. So, right, and I I think to me the way the question was worded sort of indicates that. I mean, tolerance. Uh, I would call it hyper tolerance. Is right. you know, as moral relativism right is often what Christians face. You know, right. in 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 certain situations and. And there does come a point where, like, yeah, I mean, we believe in absolute truth, you know. Yeah, and everybody does. I mean, yeah. moral relativism doesn't work functionally. Right, yeah. so so we deny moral relativism. So we, we say that there is absolute truth. But we also say, you know, even though you disagree with us or you claim you have your own truth, we still love you anyways. Yeah, and that's Christian because here's the thing— we need the same grace every day that that person has not yet accepted, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So we, we, we've been rescued by the Lord through Christ and through his resurrection. And so it would be wrong of us to automatically just discard somebody when, as long as you know their heart is beating, they have a chance to repent and have new life and, and follow the way of the kingdom. So it's totally congruent with the way of Jesus to say, no, I'm not, I'm not compromising. It's not, it's not that I don't believe these things about the Bible or about morality, but I still want to keep that person in proximity of Christ and Christ is in me. So, so why wouldn't I accept them in a, in a way, in a sense, right? Right. So, um, so I think that like tolerance is defined like by the dictionary and still be- having like firm beliefs. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Right. Um, right. It's, it's it's the idea that because we believe in the Imago Dei that everyone is made in right. the image of God, we accept everyone. And that that is, I mean, earlier you said so. In a sense, are Christians to be the most tolerant? And 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 I think in this sense we are. We can honestly say that we accept everyone simply based on the premise that they are made in the image of God. And because of that, they have value. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we have to agree with everyone. Right. Yeah. Because we don't. We can't. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to absorb the worldview of everybody that we love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think um, that's a really bring thing to, to say that y- you ought to know the truth. You ought to be studying the scriptures and inviting the Holy Spirit into that process to reveal God's truth to you, and you ought to live by those truths. Um, but that doesn't make everyone who doesn't see or agree with those things your enemy. Right. We are called to love and, and befriend these people in the same way that, as you said, I, I think is a great example that, that Jesus is the greatest example of that. Yeah. Um, I love... Yeah, I love all that. I agree with all of that. I also want to provide a sociological argument for the idea of tolerance from a Christian perspective. Uh, the Christianity Today published this article uh, in in May. My, my grandfather sent it to me. It uh, outlines a study published in the journal of uh, the the journal Sociology of Religion, and the the study was trying to. Uh, uh, figure out why Christianity is declining in certain countries and and uh, growing in other countries. And most people, a lot of scholars would say Christianity declines because of, of secularization or because of prosperity in that country. But the study actually found differently. Uh, this study found that 
there were three things that contributed to uh, growth in a country. The first one is persecution. This is something that, that we, we understand, like the church grows in persecution. But the other two are related to this idea of tolerance. Number one is that the church grows in a country when, uh, when that country is characterized by pluralism. So the more pluralistic a country is, the more likely Christianity is going to grow in that country. That's kind, that, that may be counterintuitive to some people, the idea that there's more religions in a country, and so therefore Christianity is going to grow. But it actually makes sense if you think about it in the way of like iron sharpens iron. And, and, in a free, and if you think about a free market, right, what, what is good for the free market is more competition. And so you could kind of look at Christianity that way. It's competing against other religions. That's actually good for Christianity. And then the second thing that contributes to Christian growth in a country is uh, its level of governmental privilege. So the more governmental privilege that Christianity has in a particular country, the more likely it is actually going to decline. So in countries where you've seen historically Christianity receive privilege from the government, we see today that those countries are overwhelmingly declining in its Christianity. Oh, Ryan. But in the countries where where Christianity receives no privilege, that's where we see Christianity growing exponentially. Mm. So tolerance and the idea of we want— we want to first off we want a pluralistic society because that's good for us it, it it makes us actually have to try as christians and then second off we 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 want we want equality among all religions represented in a country we don't want our we don't want our religion to be fair, uh to receive privilege over other religions so in that sense we also want tolerance that's good for our religion right should should christianity not be growing because of authentic relationships yeah uh rather than because the government or the public school system is backing you up and i think out of a fear of this push for tolerance there has been a lot of evangelicalism that has fought back and said no we need to bring god back to the schools we need to do this we need to do that and it's like I work in public schools every day. The kids are having Bible so it's, yeah. it's not like they're not allowed to do the, that. The silliest, the silliest thing I hear all the time is we were, this country really went downhill when when they took prayer out of public schools. I don't know when I don't know what they're talking about. I was always able to pray in public school. I don't know. I'm, there's a middle school that I'm allowed to go into every week and pray over all the lockers before we say this is a public middle school. You it's guys just, are poking a bear. It's just, look, I'm just saying that a lot no, of these fears, and, and, and we'll get into that even more with the God's Not Dead trailer. Oh, my goodness. Um, they're not a reality. They're not something that we're facing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, so, so anyway... I guess what I'm saying is we don't need to be fighting for a push for the government or the public school system or any of these entities to be helping or favoring us. It's yeah. about our relationship with God and with other people. And that yeah. might sound overly simplistic, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I just think that we need to take take a second look at the way that we care and love other people. I love... What Preston's and I, this is like one of the more hot button issues, which is why I go back to it. It's the easiest example, um, but 
uh, Preston Sprinkle of the um, Center for Faith and Sexuality, you know, he's got like a 20 lesson course on like, how does a church approach this issue? And you may say, well, that's too much. And he, he holds a traditional sexual ethic. And like, isn't it simple? Like just, you know, like no gay, you know, like that's the <laughs> Christian no view. Gay. <laughs> and Jesus, what Jesus showed, um, like the, his contemporaries, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, it's like, you guys are, like, looking at this from the completely wrong angle. You know, they kind of just read the law, and they're like, we're going to take it literally, and we're going to do it this way. And Jesus said, no, there's actually a heart behind these truths. You know, there, there's there's a soul <laughs> to these truths. And he gave life to those words and embodied those words. And so um, I think that that means that we need to allow for, for nuance, that we, we it's not always um, just, you know, one, two, three, A, B, C. It doesn't mean that absolute truth doesn't exist, but how we love people and and hold the absolute truth matters. Because yeah. if you do it the wrong way, you're gonna you're gonna be yeah. like Caiaphas yeah. or and, and, and instead some of Nicodemus. At first glance, may say what you're saying oh, it's a little wishy washy, but actually this this requires you to know and understand and be committed to absolute truth even more. Yeah, but it also to make may- sure that you're practicing y- your faith. Uh, correctly, you know, in, in scenarios. So, but it also requires that you be committed to the Holy Spirit, right? Right at the same time, and I think that may be something that we've lost. Is is people? They've got pretty good theology. They've got, you know, good morals, but um, they love that more um, than maybe they love the way of Jesus, you know, Ooh. and and I, I just say it. And so we actually have to marry those two things and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to give us discernment. And that's why Paul says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Um, it's not that we don't know things or we don't believe things are true, but people people are more important. So we gotta love our neighbor. Nice. That's right. Yep. Nice. Well. I think this actually ties in pretty nicely to what we're going to be talking about in the after show. Um, so if you want to continue the conversation there, you can go to our Patreon. It's tier one at $3 a month. That's just the after show. Tier two at $6 a month, which is the after show and the monthly reading hour podcast. And then tier three, which is $12 a month, which which is both of those and unlimited merch. We will be sending t-shirts pretty soon. We will be sending out mugs. Uh, lots of fun stuff coming. Do I down get a mug? You are going to get a mug. Yes. So, you can get a mug too, and watch us discuss uh, the truth about Chris Tomlin and God's Not Dead Four. So, without further ado, uh, I think in summary, uh, we stand for God's truth in any and all scenarios, but we do so in unconditional love. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm down for that. Cool. That sounds great. All right, Ryan, give it to us. Yeah, yeet.